Welcome to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. And along with my brother Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Rick, it's the end of 2022. And just like everybody, I've got a cold. My voice is raspy. But uh, you know what? We're bringing the year 2022 to an end. It sure is right in the middle of the winter and flu season, so we apologize for that. But thank you so much for listening anyways. Yes, we've got a great program today. We're going to our broadcast partners, Ken Timmerman, David Dolan, Dr. Richard Schmidt, R.C. Merle. We're talking to them about the stories that and the events as they played out in 2022. Those stories, those events that pertain to Bible prophecy. Well, we've got a great program to get to today. I'm so glad you joined us. As Rick says, let's get started with our first Ken Timmerman. Ken Timmerman joins us today. He's our expert on geopolitical affairs. He joins us just about every week. Ken? Uh, It's a pleasure to be with you, Rick, and uh, looking forward to 2023. Can't be worse than 2022, (laughs) or, or can it? Or can it? That is the question. And we're going to talk next week about 2023. This week, we're reviewing, since this is the last day of the year, we're reviewing 2022. And we're going to finish up this segment by doing that. But let's start out. There's been some news, and it's been big news over this past week, Russia and China having a meeting again. What do you know about that story? Well, this was a virtual meeting, a teleconference between Putin and President Xi of China. But they promised to get together in person in the spring. And and look, what we're seeing here, uh, Rick, uh, this is a reaffirmation of the military relationship between Russia and China. Both leaders spoke about this publicly in their comments after this uh, virtual teleconference that they had. And what we're seeing here is exactly the kind of alliance that Richard Nixon feared in the days of the Cold War. Uh, But the big difference is Nixon had an option. He had an option of going to China, trying to split China away from Russia. Today, we no longer have that option. So President Biden has put us in a box where we are facing the alliance of the two largest military powers in the world after the United States. And that bodes serious uh, problems for us in the future. It certainly does. And they followed up that meeting or right around that time with a overnight bombardment in Ukraine, one of the biggest of the whole crisis here. Uh, they have. And these Russian bombardments, missile strikes, drone strikes are focusing on civilian infrastructure, power plants, uh, things like that. These are war crimes by anybody's definition. They're not military targets any longer. They're going after civilian infrastructure. Uh, They are using uh, what missiles they have left in their inventory, but the Russians are also increasingly using these Iranian drones. And I've got to say, Rick, it's kind of ironic because the Shahid drone that has been so successful in Ukraine, because it's hard to intercept, it's hard to block. The Shahid drone is getting engines from an Austrian company that's owned 50 percent by Bain Capital. Bain Capital, remember, is that company that uh, Mm. Mitt Romney started so many years ago. He made his fortune with Bain Capital. Bain Capital, a U.S. company, is a 50% partner of the company that is supplying the engines for Iran's drones. Scandalous. Certainly is. And then if you continue on, I mean, you talked about Russia, you talked about China, and we talk about Iran. Iran has been supplying these drones, giving these drones to Russia. That is strengthening their alliance, isn't it? 
Absolutely correct. And uh, the drones are not the only thing. But look, just this past week, we learned that the Russians have delivered the first 20 of an estimated 60 total frontline fighters, the Sukhoi 35. These are fifth generation fighters. They're equivalent of the same generation, if you wish, of our latest fighters, the F-35. And the Iranians have been hoping to get them. The Russians speeded up those deliveries. So the first 20 arrived just this past week in Isfahan at an air base there. And my sources are telling me, my Iranian sources are telling me that uh, the Iranians are going to pay for them with 5,000 drones to Russia and another Mm. several thousand uh, surface to surface missiles that the Iranians are able to produce on the cheap. Well, Ken, we certainly have to keep an eye on that relationship and those alliances with Russia. But let's just look at how this whole situation is playing out over Europe. And we haven't talked about Europe a whole lot recently, but it seems like this energy crisis that is taking place right now, spurred on by the Ukrainian crisis, that's reshaping geopolitics in Europe, isn't it? Uh, Well, it absolutely is. And it's causing economic hardship such as the Europeans have not seen in a very long time. Rick, you even have the deputy chairman of the German parliament who is saying that Germany risks going bankrupt over energy subsidies because they are subsidizing lower income people who are not able to pay for the higher energy costs now that Russia has shut down natural gas deliveries. And just earlier this month, now shut down remaining oil deliveries. Russia is talking about reducing its overall oil production by 700,000 barrels a day. That will have an impact on global oil prices because remember oil is a fungible commodity. It gets traded around the world. That will reduce the overall supply. The Europeans are really in big, big trouble. In France, for example, France has been importing energy from Germany because while it depends on nuclear power for 82% of its energy, and I saw that when I lived there for all those years, 32 of their nuclear power plants have been shut down this year because of corrosion. They are at the lowest level of energy production that they've been in 30 years. And the Germans are telling them, we're not going to be able to export energy to you much longer. France is not going to be able to export energy to Italy, and it's going to be a whole ripple effect all the way across the European continent. They are facing very, very tough economic times. Well, it's been well documented. The United States has been Ukraine's biggest backer in this fight against Russia and their aggression there. And it looks like the European Union, uh, the European nations really are kind of powerless. Is that going to change as we head into the new year? Are they going to increase their defense spending? Well, the one thing that has happened is that Germany, of all countries, has in fact increased its defense spending and primarily as a result of that badgering by President Trump. People still criticize President Trump and say that he threatened uh, Europe with not supporting them in the event of a Russian invasion. It's true. And he said, why should we if you do not increase your defense spending? And this was in 2018. And the Europeans have increased their defense spending as a result of it. And guess who is Trump's biggest supporter in Europe? It's Stoltenberg, the secretary general of NATO, who applauds Trump for having gotten Germany and others Mm. to bring their defense spending up to 2% of their GDP. So, yeah, the Germans in particular are increasing defense spending with money that their current taxpayers, their children and especially their grandchildren are going to be on the hook for in coming years. 
And Ken, although the European Union per se doesn't necessarily have a military arm, NATO is kind of the de facto military arm, and they have been in the news again as well. Another one of your adopted home countries, Sweden, still trying to get in, but they have to deal with Turkey. Correct. And, and NATO, remember, it is a consensual organization. They need a buy-in from all existing NATO members to admit new members, Finland and Sweden in this case. And the two holdouts are Hungary and Turkey. The Hungarians have made it known that they're going to probably say okay in the, in the coming weeks. But Turkey is still holding out. What is Turkey's objection? What has always been the PKK. What they claim is Sweden's support for the PKK. Look, I know some of these individuals that Turkey wants Sweden to expel. They're ordinary folks. Some of them are government employees in Sweden. They've been in Sweden for 30 years, for 35 years. They are politicians, exile politicians. They're not guerrilla fighters and they're certainly not terrorists. But in Turkey's eyes, anybody with the slightest, most remote relationship to the PKK is a terrorist. Look, the European Parliament and the European courts have found that the PKK is fighting a, an internal conflict. It is an internal conflict, not a terrorist war against Turkey, and that Turkey and their Kurds should solve their problems through negotiations and through politics. Uh, but it is Turkey, in my view at least, that is certainly perpetuating this internal war. It's amazing, Ken. As we talk through these stories, they are all interconnected from the very beginning all right to the very end. Well, my final question, and this is our final program of 2022, and I'm amazed at how fast this year flew by, but this is our final program of 2022. Next year, we're going to look ahead, but if you could, Ken, looking back at 2022, what were the important things that took place that shaped the geopolitical world? Well, first of all, is the enormous strides taken towards this Russia-China-Iran alliance. We have seen that really go forward in a big way this year. And uh, obviously, this is something very important for biblical prophecy as these three powers get together. But let me give you three dates here just to set this uh, set the backdrop for this. February 24th, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Obviously, that has been an enormous event to shape the entire year. We thought at the beginning, the U.S. thought, uh, the White House thought and said that Russia would win very quickly. Well, it turned out they did not win very quickly. And Biden's offer to Zelensky to give him a ride out of there was turned down. And Zelensky turned out to be a hero, heroically standing up to this Russian aggression. Second date, September 16th. That's when Masi Amini, a Kurdish Iranian young woman, was brutally murdered uh, in prison for not wearing a headscarf in Iran. That set off three months of uh, internal disturbances in Iran, which continue today and which are quite challenging to the Iranian regime. The third day, December 5th, that's when Russia officially said they would be cutting off all oil supplies to countries that accepted the oil price cap that the U.S. and the Europeans had agreed to. We have not seen the beginning of Europe's energy crisis yet. So those three days, February 24, September 16th, and December 5th, I think really are the highlights of this past year. Three dates to keep in mind and an excellent analysis of those for us. Well, thank you so much for what you did in 2022. And Ken, we look forward to talking to you next year. Thanks so much, Rick, and, and God bless. And let's just hope that 2023 isn't worse than 2022. 
Great insight from Ken Timmerman, as always, looking back at 2022, looking forward to 2023. And we do know that God has a plan and he has a purpose for all that he is doing. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, our Middle East News Update with David Dolan, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. I'm Dodd Morris for Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. A new report says persecution against Christians has increased in 18 countries since 2020. Todd Nettleton with the Voice of the Martyrs USA says much of this persecution is happening in Africa as Muslim extremism moves south. In other places, religious nationalism is the culprit. That's why various states across India have passed so many anti-conversion laws. Please ask God to strengthen Christians in these 18 countries. Times of trouble come to everyone in various forms. Set Free Ministries' Dean Vandermeer says emotional responses to trouble often obscure God's truth. Fear and shame are powerful captors, keeping people from trusting in the Lord for salvation. No matter what battle you're in, Set Free Ministries can help. And if you're not in a time of trouble right now, please pray for those who are, that the Holy Spirit will connect them to Set Free Ministries. Learn more at missionnews.org, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Dodd Morris. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today Radio, the program that looks at current events in the light of Bible prophecy. This is the portion of our program where we have our Middle East news update. And to do that, we have journalist Dave Dolan with us. Dave, thank you for joining us. Glad to be with you, Rick. Well, Dave, this is New Year's Eve. It's our last program of 2022. I can't believe that is already here and that has already happened, but that is where we are. So I'd like to get an update on what's going on in Israel this week, because there is plenty going on in Israel this week. But then maybe at the end of this segment, we can talk about a kind of a year in review. But first of all, the new government has come in to all kinds of I don't know if you want to call it fanfare or whatever you want to call it. Tell us what you know about this new government, David. Well, Rick, it's Israel's 37th government since its founding in 1948, and it's the sixth time that Benjamin Netanyahu will be sworn in as prime minister, which beats all previous records of any former prime minister. So it's historic in that sense. They were formally sworn in on Thursday, and uh, Netanyahu gave his maiden speech before the Knesset. He named uh, his top cabinet ministers. The senior, the three senior positions are all held by the Likud. And of course, we have Itamar Ben-Gavir as the police minister, one of the heads of the nationalistic right-wing religious party, the one that had earlier called for expulsion of all 
Israeli Arabs and that sort of thing. He will be police minister. And Bezalel Smotrich, as we've said before, is going to be finance minister, also a leader of that right-wing party. So uh, that's the layout, basically. And yes, it's being criticized by many as uh, too right-wing, too far-right. And of course, the Arabs themselves, the Palestinian Authority in particular, condemned the new government, called it a fascist government, and said if it does take any actions to change the status of the Temple Mount or anything like that, that there will be big trouble ahead. So but they've been saying that for some time. Well, it certainly seems like many people have already decided their opinions on this new government. And as you just indicated, it's based on uh, essentially two figures that have influential uh, positions in the government. But Benjamin Netanyahu is a very adept politician, and he still is in control of the government. But it seems like there's a narrative that has already been formed, and many people are painting this government as, as extremist and over the top from the very beginning. Yes, it's really uh, akin to in the United States where you have the squad, you know, very left-wing socialist members of the Democratic Party, but they are not the majority in the party, but they do have a lot of influence over Joe Biden. And certainly Smoltrick and uh, Ben Gavir will have influence over the prime minister. But the Likud party is a centrist party. It has all sorts of members. In fact, the new speaker of the House is a Likud member of the Knesset, is uh, openly gay. So it's not as if this is just one massive right-wing thing going on. And also two of the three religious parties, the Shas Party, Sephardic Party, and the Ashkenazi United Torah Judaism Party, they're basically not all that interested in the Palestinians or the West Bank, Judea and Samaria. They oppose building a temple on the Temple Mount. They say only the Messiah, when he comes, should do that. The government should stay out of that. They're mainly interested in in their own communities, their own uh, school systems. They agree with the, the nationalist right-wing party over some issues. They don't want to see women serving in the army next to men, for instance. They want to see Orthodox Jews have the right to uh, stay out of the military and just study the Torah and that sort of thing. And some other issues they share together. But again, Shas is a strong supporter of the peace process. And uh, they were in Yitzhak Rabin's government, for instance. So it's it's being overdone, this criticism and this, uh, you know, forewarnings and all of this sort of thing. The Likud has 32 seats in the 64-seat government, so exactly half, and it is the dominant party. And Tinyahu in his speech made that clear, that once again, that I'm in charge. He said, I'll pursue peace with other Arab countries, and we're not going to expel the Arabs from the country and this sort of thing. So, And he said, we're going to guarantee that all the faiths in the land, the three main faiths in particular, be um, protected and, and that sort of thing. So it's a little overdone, the criticisms. Well, one of those countries that is criticizing them already is a country that they share their longest border with, and that is the king, the Jordanian king. He is warning that there is red lines that this new government must not cross in Jerusalem. He is. He gave a speech this week. He said the status of Jerusalem's holy sites need to stay exactly as they are. And 
that this is a right-wing government and it's causing us, quote, concern. And uh, he has to say those sorts of things, Rick, as we pointed out many times, he's got about half of his population of around 10 million are of Palestinian origin. There's not a lot of support for the peace treaty that his late father signed with Israel in 1994, but it's still in place. But again, most of the Likud members do not want to see any sort of change in status on the Temple Mount. And again, the two of the three religious parties are adamantly opposed to even Jewish prayer up there, um, with the Sephardic chief rabbi, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, condemning Ben Gavir and saying he's crazy and, you know, et cetera. So the king's making these warnings, but again, the idea that Israel's going to rush in and, and, you know, build the temple tomorrow or, or change the whole status of everything. I mean, Christian churches have warned too. Some of the leaders of the Palestinian Christian churches have warned that the new government could be a threat, and definitely it's going to be more right-wing, and definitely it's not as as open to, um, let's say, a final settlement, a two-state solution, this sort of thing. But there's not going to be any major massive changes. It's Benjamin Netanyahu. He's been prime minister longer than any other Israeli ever. And, uh, you know, so far he didn't bring catastrophe upon the country. Well, so it sounds like you don't think there will necessarily be wholesale changes, but I think it probably can't be argued that this government will be more friendly to Israeli sovereignty in the area of Judea and Samaria, otherwise known as the West Bank. What do you think about that? Well, it definitely is the case, uh, but it's not new. Netanyahu vowed to extend Israeli law, as it were, sovereignty over Area C of uh, Judea and Samaria, which is the exclusively Israeli-controlled areas where most of the Jews of that area live. Uh, He was going to do that in 2018-19, he was talking about it. And Donald Trump indicated he would support that. But then the Abraham Accords came together. And Netanyahu had to choose between one or the other, he felt. He couldn't do both at once, so he basically postponed that. And the new government's uh, agreement, uh, Rick, does say that Israeli law will be applied to the Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria fully. And Smotrich will be a minister in the defense ministry. He won't be the defense minister but he will have a seat there, and he will be basically in charge of those communities. And uh, they've also said that 70 small settlements, so small communities mostly adjacent to existing ones, will be legalized, and Israeli law will be extended to that. So that that's going to happen, definitely. Uh, and again, Shas and the United Torah Judaism are not all that interested in this, but they'll support it, and the Likud is behind it. So it's not new, uh, but of course Joe Biden is not Donald Trump, and the U.S. will definitely oppose all of this. It's already made that clear, and the European Union and the U.N. and others. So there will be some friction points there, and Jordan will not be happy about it. But the reality is, is those Israelis live in those areas. They've got towns and cities. They've got industry. And uh, the Arabs control two-thirds, the Palestinians control two-thirds, areas A and B of Judea and Samaria, of the West Bank, and they'll continue to do so. So it's basically just annexing some portions of the area in effect, Uh, but it will certainly create some sparks and be another reason for um, Hamas and uh, Islamic Jihad and Hezbollah and Iran 
to scream and yell and uh, maybe do some more damage. But we've already had the worst year of violence in quite a few years already. Well, Dave, one more question before we take a break, and I'm going to ask you to hold on through that break to help give us that year in review. But David, uh, the final story that I wanted your comment on, that outgoing minister that you referenced, Benny Gantz, has said, and he caused a stir when he said this, he said that he sees a possible attack on Iran in two or three years. He actually, Rick, was giving a speech to uh, graduates of the Air Force Academy when he said that some of you will be probably flying east towards Iran within the next two or three years, as you said. That was an interesting statement and probably something he wouldn't have said if he was continuing on as defense minister. But it's just the reality. Everybody knows that Iran is enriching uranium way beyond what they were allowed under the accord that Donald Trump pulled out of. Uh, that they could have uh, nuclear weapons in a short order. The main issue is, could they deliver them to Israel? Do they have the ballistic missiles yet to do that? Some say yes, some say no. But this remains a very big threat, and Iran continues to all the time talk about their government, I should say, about destroying Israel, that Israel's illegitimate, et cetera. So the shadow war uh, with Iran continues and will continue under the new government, you know, unless there is a revolution in Iran and the Islamic regime is tossed out, that's possible. We're going to have a full conflict at some point with Iran, it seems. Well, David, we're going to have to take a break right now. Would you mind holding on for just a few minutes to help us with our year in review? I'd be glad to do it. All that and more right here on Prophecy Today Radio. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's Word. And I always say, along with Rick, Rick's my brother. Our father, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, started this program many years ago. And always at the end of the year, Rick, Dad would always look back uh, at the stories, at the events, and uh, see what took place in the past year. Why is that important as we are doing that this time? Jimmy, I think the end of the year is always an excellent time for reflection. As we see what has taken place throughout the year, we realize that God, from the beginning of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, has a plan. And these years that are going by and things that are taking place are falling in line with that plan. So as we look at the way the year has progressed, we see God's plan in motion, in place, and that encourages us and basically motivates us as to where we are in God's prophetic timeline. 
Oh, you're so correct. And I love that, Rick. You said that God has a plan. He does have a plan. Sometimes we as Christians don't take the time to understand what that plan is. We have our own plan and how we think that the, you know, our lives should be going or everything should be going around us. But I think as we go to God's word, go to the manual, as dad used to say all the time, that helps us to understand, to have a confidence in the world in which we live, that God does have a plan. He is sovereign and that things are playing out just as he wants them to. And I think that's so important as we look back over the past year. Well, let's continue with David Dolan. And David, you know, I appreciate the fact and what he brings his insight into what takes place in the land of Israel. We just finished our Middle East news update in the last segment, but we still have Dave Dolan with us. Dave has agreed to stay with us as we talk about our year in review. Dave, thanks for staying with us. Glad to be with you for the second part. Well, David, you typically inform our listeners about things that are taking place in the Middle East and and specifically Israel for the most part. But in general, and we'll talk next week about the upcoming year. But right now, let's look back at 2022 and especially as it relates to Israel, but that whole Middle East sphere. What are some of the main stories that shaped the news this year in, in Israel and the Middle East? Well, in Israel in particular, Rick, I would say the leading story has been the new uprising, if I can call it that, that's been raging, the upsurge, sharp upsurge of terror attacks against Israelis during the year, the response of the IDF to that in northern Samaria in particular, a lot of action, the first bombings in uh, Jerusalem in some years of uh, buses and bus stops. That sort of thing is probably the number one Israel issue. Uh, Related to that, of course, is rising anti-Semitism, both in the Middle East and around the world. The Israelis have been looking at that and reporting on that a lot. And, of course, the return of Benjamin Netanyahu that we just talked about in the last segment is a major development. The first successful election, if you will, where, you know, just one side came out on top in, uh, what, four years and after five elections. So, you know, that definitely is a major development as well in Israel. The war in Ukraine, of course, is probably the world's number one story this year. And it's very much uh, a big uh, issue in Israel, too, with, of course, Israel accepting many thousands of Ukrainian Jewish uh, refugees from that war, bringing them into Israel this year. Of course, the debate over what aid to give to Ukraine and how much and how do we keep relations with Russia going. That, of course, is a major issue with Israel. And related to that, Rick, of course, is Iran. We talked about again last segment and the nuclear stalemate that's going on, the attempts by the Biden administration to resurrect the nuclear deal that uh, Obama entered into in 2015. So that's been a big issue. They've been following what's going on in America, too. Uh, Donald Trump and, and Biden and all of that and uh, the squad and, you know, how that might affect Israel. So those things are very much uh, important for this year. And of course, the normalization, if you will, with the Arab world that's been continuing to a certain extent, at least, that may now end with the new government, as we said earlier. But the Abraham Accords were continu- continued to be much in the news in Israel during uh, 2022. So uh, that'll continue, I'm sure, into next year as well. 
Well, David, you had uh, you named quite a few stories there, and you are not only a journalist, but you also study Bible, Bible prophecy in its own right, and you see all of these events taking place. It's hard not to see the stage being set, and we've talked about it, and I've talked about it with you many times on this program. It seems with the Palestinian issue and Israel's right to exist, and Iran, all and anti-Semitism rearing its ugly head, uh, many of these things. They fit into Bible prophecy, and sometimes it just seems like it is coming down to whose God is God. And we've talked about that quite a bit, haven't we? We have. And, and of course, that is the ultimate issue and the, the driving force behind the Islamic Jewish dispute, if I could put it that way. Uh, Islam's belief that it's the final revelation from God, that it contains the full truth, that uh, Judaism and Christianity have parts of the truth, but not the whole thing. And uh, proving that, they believe, uh, was the conquest of Jerusalem by the ancient uh, Muslims and, uh, you know, again, taking full control of Jerusalem again uh, remains a big uh, story and a big part of the terrorism and all the things that have gone on. It remains very much a central point. When I moved to Israel in 1980, Iran had just had its uh, Islamic revolution, but it it was very anti-Soviet. Still, Iran was. Soviet Union was still in place. There was no real relations between them. Now, of course, Iran is one of Russia's closest allies. And you and I both know that Ezekiel 38 and 39 talk about an alliance headed by Russia, of which Persia, Iran, would be a major part. So we're definitely seeing these pieces continue to come into place for the fulfillment of all uh, Bible prophecy. And in the meantime, it's murky and dark. There's the tribulation. There's a, an antichrist, as we know, that a world leader that will rise and persecute uh, believers everywhere and persecute Israel eventually after pretending to be its friend at the beginning and all these sorts of things, some dark days. But of course, the Lord returns to rule and reign from Jerusalem and the stage is definitely being set for the final phase of history to to unfold, and uh, the believers will be in the presence of the Lord, and we can look forward to all of those things while while enduring the the tragedies and the crises. And by the way, another major story in Israel: the return of tourism to Israel during this year. Uh, after two years of virtually no tourism, you're very well aware of that. That was a major news story and a major positive development for Israel. Bethlehem had a normal Christmas for the first time in three years, and Hanukkah and all of the celebrations went on as normal. So um, God is doing good things, but uh, struggles are ahead still. But uh, indeed, Israel's back in the land. It's back to stay. The Bible predicted that, not just one or two prophets, but about 10 different uh, prophetic uh, sections of Scripture speak of that. Uh, Jesus indicated it, too, in his uh, Olivet Discourse, that Jews would be back in Jerusalem. Jerusalem would be under Jewish control again when these end times happen, and uh, all those things are taking place, so we can rejoice in that. Well, David, thank you so much for all of your efforts in 2022 to educate our listeners on what is taking place in the Middle East, but also to talk to us about Bible prophecy. And again, we've looked back at what took place in 2022. We'll Next week, we'll look ahead, 
But really, folks, we have the end story in the in, in God's prophetic word, so we can be confident about that. Well, Dave, thank you so much for all you do. We look forward, should the Lord tarry, we look forward to talking to you again next week. And I look forward to talking to you again next year. Oh, that is next week. <laughs> and Lord willing, we will. God bless. This is our end of 2022 program where we look back. Um, I wanted to look back as we all do. Everybody's looking back over 2022, but from a prophetic events of the current events in the world, what's taking place, and from a prophetic point of view. I thought there was nobody better to go to to do this than to talk to a pastor and a prophecy teacher. And of course, all of our longtime listeners know that that is Dr. Richard Schmidt. Dr. Schmidt, welcome to the program today. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, and I, I love the fact that you know, you were a public servant for um, working with the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department, correct, for 32 years. You were there. You ran for office, public office. You've been involved politically. You're a pastor now. You're a prophecy teacher. Um, you've gotten uh, several degrees. You're a doctor in, in uh, eschatology. And uh, I really appreciate you being on the program today. And I wanted to look back. And I love the way, as we talked about this, you entitled this Top 2022 News Events with a Prophetic Nexus. And I love that. And uh, so tell us what would be your top stories of 2022 that as a pastor, as the shepherd over your flock and and your parishioners in your uh, congregation, and as a prophecy teacher, which ones would you want to focus on? Well, I'm going to start with a domestic one. And most of the ones that I think are the most important have a global nexus. But the one that really is standing out, I think, in America right now is the Respect for Marriage Act that just passed on uh, December 13th. So just a, a short time ago, uh, President Biden signed this particular document after the House and the Senate both passed this. What's disturbing is that many of well, the individuals that we would call conservatives in Senate and Congress flipped over and decided to endorse this particular Respect for Marriage Act. Mm. Now, the the reason that this is uh, very concerning and is a huge issue, especially in the conservative Christian crowd, is it totally goes against the biblical standard as to what God designed marriage to be, which uh, whether people want to agree with it, not the Bible specifically makes it very clear in Genesis chapter 2, specifically verse 24, that uh, marriage is literally between one man and one woman, literally born that way, not transformed into it, but uh, through birth. And uh, they leave father and mother, be joined together. And of course, uh, the goal was God wanted to increase the population on the earth, which can't happen with uh, same-sex marriages or (laughs) transgender-type things, just doesn't work. Well, uh, uh, here's the interesting thing from a prophetic nexus, because God basically touches on this very issue in Romans chapter 1. In fact, he states that when he gets upset with people because they're not trusting in Jesus Christ, they're not following him, there's literally three steps that God takes to pass judgment or his wrath upon people that basically are doing what we're seeing today. First thing he says is that his wrath is poured out when people literally turn away from Christ and they start going into idolatry. Mm. And the first thing God says, he gives them up to uncleanness, basically immorality or 
the word actually means filth in verse 24. So basically in moral acts, we see that that's taken place since uh, the beginning of time. But if the people continue on that way, the second thing God says if, is that he gives them up to vile passions, basically lesbianism, homosexuality in verse 26. So men turn to men, women turn to women. And this literally, it's part of the judgment of God is wrath allowing these things to take place where he turns them over to vile passions. Now we get to step three, which is where I think basically what uh, unfortunately we just put into documentation in the White House Mm -hmm. is uh, the Respect for Marriage Act, which goes to step three of God's wrath, which is the final debased immoral mind. And that word debased means worthless, disqualified, degenerate. And basically that's exactly what this bill does. It endorses that which is totally against God's word. So again, this isn't a statement that well, I don't like this because, no, this is actually God stating that it's an issue. Well, just very quickly on this, and then we can move on, but here's the things that are taking place in America right now. We have puberty suppression drugs that are being forced basically on kids that have a difficult time discerning, well, maybe I'm a boy, maybe I'm a girl, maybe I'm this, maybe I'm that, and our society is pushing this, which then leads to hormone treatments, which literally totally destroy the reproductive system of our young people. Then we have the radical gender reassignment surgeries, and all these things are being pushed in our public schools, which has become one of the major news stories of 2022, just this debauchery that's taking place and being forced upon our children. And those who do hold to the conservative biblical worldview are being looked at as uh, repressing that which uh, should take place. Well, may I say it's time we get back to a a biblical standard and hopefully make a strong stand on this in 2023. Yes. And do you see this as uh, this attack on the family, marriage, God's sanctity of uh, one man, one woman, uh, the sanctity of marriage? Do you see this as an indication that we are in the end times? Well, absolutely. Uh, again, in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it, it just tells us that when we get to the latter days, and Timothy was basically being instructed by Paul about what will take place mm-hmm. in the last days of the church age, which we're in right now, I believe, very strongly based on what we're seeing taking place. And he said there'll be perilous, dangerous times, and that's exactly what's happening. People will turn away from the truth. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, they'll have itching ears, going after strange things. And uh, unfortunately, the strangeness of what's taking place in our country and worldwide, which we'll get into, are absolutely showing that we're getting closer and closer to that event that we like to call the rapture, the removal of the church-age saints, uh, to go to heaven with Jesus Christ. Mm. It is an indicator that we are living in the last days. And and you would agree with me. I mean, this was what the early church was dealing with at the same time, correct? Well, absolutely. I mean, the, the there's always been sin in the world. There's always mm. been a, a downfall, if you will, of, of those that refuse to embrace Christ. What is, though, and then I think it's we can go into this, what's taking place now, though, it is never in the history of the world where we have these transgender issues ruining our young people, the public so schools, true. the government, right, going after our young people and literally trying to change who they are and what they're capable of doing. And quite frankly, when you mess up a, a young person's ability to 
procreate, you're stopping part of what God's plan is. It's never been like this in the history of the world. We're seeing these horrible, catastrophic, chaotic times right now in 2022. For sure. Well, uh, let's go globally then. And I know that you do a a current events program. Uh, You record it. People can find it on YouTube, on your channel, um, sermonaudio.com. They can find, just Google uh, Union Grove Baptist Church, uh, Dr. Richard Schmidt. You can find your program, Prophecy Focus. And one of the stories that you focused on is the G20 Summit the key stories that came out of that. And as a prophecy teacher, we're, we have not only a focus in the United States, and I appreciate your view on what you just shared with us, but globally, let's look at some stories that you think are important. All right, absolutely. Well, the biggest issues I think that have come out in 2022 and that are going to certainly reach into the next year are those things on a global basis. Every single thing from a prophetic nexus has to lead to this one world system talked about in Revelation 13. I'll just set the stage and then we'll go into the events, but in Revelation 13 it makes very clear that there will be one day underneath the Antichrist rule a one world government, a one world religion, and a one world economy. Mm. And the stage is being set for that to happen as we speak. So in 2022, here's a couple of the key things that happened. The first thing uh, that came out of it was a focus on a global economy. And that's the key word, a global economy, not a nationalist economy, not an American economy, but a global position. Klaus Schwab, who I think his name is getting more and more known in the conservative circles, is an individual who is by no means a conservative, but he has tremendous power through what's known as the World Economic Forum, very high-priced People are involved with this across the world that are basically joining into the World Economic Forum. Here's just two lines that he stated. And uh, he says, what we have to confront right now is a deep systemic and structural restructuring of our world. Mm. This will take some time, and the world will look differently after we have gone through this transition process. Well, here's the issue, and uh, the World Economic Forum and many others in the financial groups, specifically the uh, non-conservative groups, the liberal groups, look as COVID-19 being the biggest defender of why the economy is in a horrible situation. So we look at uh, America itself, 9% inflation right now. That's crazy. People Mm -hmm. are, I went to the store uh, today, pick up a dozen eggs, five dollars mm. when they were about a dollar at the beginning of the year mm. gas has gone up uh 90 percent to 100 percent. now it's come back down because of the strategic oil reserves have been brought uh have been used basically to help fill our gas tanks right now so i'm you know we're all appreciative of that but that means uh our gas situation if we get into a war situation or the grid goes down we're going to be in super trouble Well, all of this to say there's a massive financial issue that's taking place globally, and here's what it's leading to. The globalists want to get away from, if you will, an American currency and a foreign currency. They want a global world Mm. currency. In Mm -hmm. other words, where everything is placed under uh, one situation. Let me just go to Revelation very quick, chapter 13. 
And it talks about the one world economy that is going to come. So this is what Klaus Schwab and other uh, in this realm are, are basically saying. This is going to happen. Uh, Revelation 13, 16, talking about uh, the false prophet who's aligned with the Antichrist and Satan himself. It says this, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark mm-hmm. or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So absolutely, God is saying in the future, after the rapture of the church, and literally this time period is 3.5 years or halfway into the tribulation period, where Satan will have such a strong grip on the world with the Antichrist and the false prophet, I like to call it the satanic trinity, mm-hmm. where it, you will not be able to buy or sell unless you basically turn yourself over to the satanic regime under the Antichrist. So that is coming, and Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, and others involved in the world global situation are leading us right to that end result. Yes, and there's so much that's going on, uh, Dr. Schmidt. As you focus on this, I know that we could. there are so many other stories we could focus on from the G20, uh, and R.C. Merle has helped us do that. In fact, I'll be talking to him next. But uh, the the devaluing of the current currencies, the devaluing uh, of the dollar, the uh, CBDCs, the uh, digital currencies, central bank digital currencies, all of this, you know, even the Great Reset that we've talked about in the past, you have helped us focus on these issues. And uh, there's so many others, uh, the world population, global crisis, food crisis around the world, all those things. I want to focus on real quick at the end here, uh, anti-Semitism, the rise of anti-Semitism in the world. And and I know that we talk with Dave Dolan on these issues um, from a Christian point of view. We talked with Winky Madad from a Jewish point of view. But as you see this, where do you see the rise of anti-Semitism in the end times? Well, what we're seeing, and uh, when you look at what's happened in 2022, one of the main reasons that anti-Semitism has increased is because of the much, much more vocal media Mm. regarding the Palestinian versus the uh, uh, Jewish people, specifically in Israel and the rubs that have been taking place there. Well, this is basically morphed into college campuses on a very large scale to where there's this major rub between, if you will, those that have Palestinian Arab-type backgrounds versus Jewish. So the Jewish people are being looked at and are being promoted by the media as those that are basically they've invaded the Palestinian Arab property, which, of course, biblically is totally not true. But that's what's being portrayed. So there's been an escalation, a significant escalation in anti-Semitic events. In other words, events that are against the Jewish people based on a horrible perception that the media and, uh, if you will, the liberal crowds have put out there. So it's, it's unfortunate because what we're going to see take place, according to prophecy, is the Jewish people are going to come under the worst persecution that's ever taken place in the history of the world. We talk about the Holocaust that took place where 6 million Jewish people were murdered. The worst Holocaust is yet to come. And uh, in fact, your dad used to have a, a, a great story that he told when he was talking to one of the rabbis in Israel. And uh, the rabbi 
basically called up your dad and said, you know, I, I don't know if I caught you right, but did you say that 50% of the Jewish people are going to be killed in the future? And I remember your dad saying he started crying when he was talking, and uh, the next thing he stated was, no, I'm, I'm so sorry, it's not 50%. It's literally two-thirds of all Jewish people mm. will die mm. during the tribulation period. And you're like, well, where does that come from? Well, Zechariah chapter 13 Zechariah 13, verses 8 and 9, makes it very clear. At the last part of the tribulation period, two-thirds of all Jewish people will be murdered, and only one-third will be preserved, and God will preserve them. He makes that clear in Revelation chapter 12, verses 13 to 17, that they will be preserved for a time, times, and half of a times, literally 42 months or three and a half years, and uh, those one-third of Jewish people will come in and help uh, Jesus, when he does set up his 1,000-year millennial kingdom, Revelation 20, verses 1 to 7. So it's not uh, surprising that these things are happening now, as always, things are being set, the stage is being set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. You're exactly right, Dr. Schmidt, and I so appreciate your view on it from a uh, a prophecy teacher, but also as a pastor, as you're helping people, and I think it's so important today that pastors and churches, um, as, as a leader in your church, that they help those uh, that they minister over to understand the times in which they're living. And I so appreciate uh, you doing that with us today. You know what, uh, Dr. Schmidt, I would love to have you back next week to talk about uh you know, the one world uh, global system, uh, the climate system, food crisis that's been talked about, and the population, all of those things. If we could talk about those, because I think we're going to start hearing more about that in the future in 2023. Dr. Schmidt, Happy New Year to you. Keep teaching the word as you do. And uh, folks, if you're interested, go to uh, sermonaudio.com and look up Dr. Richard Schmidt. You can go to his website, Union Grove Baptist Church, Dr. Richard Schmidt, uh, Google any of those. You'll find his program, Prophecy Focus. We'll put a link up to your website. And uh, folks, stay aware. And uh, thank you, Dr. Schmidt, for all that you do. Well, thank you. God bless. God bless you, Dr. Richard Schmidt. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, R.C. Merle will be here with us to give us the top stories on his website, according to Google. We'll be right back, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Well, we've already had so much information, you know, one from a pastor and prophecy teacher, information from David Dolan, who was a journalist in Israel for 35 years. David and I started together in 1984. I think we both started together there in the land of Israel. And then, of course, Ken Timmerman looking at geopolitical events taking place. We've had a lot to digest so far, Rick. And I think this program is so very important in, in what we're doing and edifying and educating the body of Christ. 
Obviously, Jimmy, I agree with you as well. Over the last few days, I've received several calls from faithful supporters, people who have supported the ministry basically from the beginning and still continue to support Prophecy Today. And they let us know that they will be supporting the ministry before the end of the year. This is a crucial time for us as we receive support to help the ministry continue. And these people calling these emails, these phone calls, it's such an encouragement to us as we continue to trust God to provide for the ministry. The majority of our support comes in at this time of the year, and we are so grateful to each and every one of our partners. Yes, we are, Rick. You know, it's a, and I'm also grateful for the radio stations that play us, uh, mm-hmm. that put us on. We're so grateful that we are able to get this information out. Uh, and like you said, so many people have sent in words of encouragement to our ministry they're praying for us. They're helping us continue on. And this legacy that our dad started, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, years ago, uh, we felt it was important to continue focusing on prophetic events and how they play out and the time in which we're living. And our, uh, we are also, and we're also thankful for our broadcast partners because without them, um, I mean, we have information, but this kind of just confirms what we're talking about. These gentlemen, they have their expertise and they know what they're talking about. So where would somebody go if they wanted to help us, Rick? Well, Jimmy, if you are considering supporting Prophecy Today and you want to do it before the end of the year, you would have to do it quickly, obviously. <laughs> but uh, you can go to our website at prophecytoday.com. You can click on the donate button. It's right there on the front page. Mm. When you see that, you can see how to send a check in. Of course, if that check is sent with this year's date on it, that will count towards year 2022's taxes. And, uh, you know, or you can go online and donate with a credit card. But no matter how, we appreciate your support, not only your financial support, but your prayers as well. Yes, yes. And uh, to be honest with you, these are one of those things that I hate talking about, Rick. But we know that God provides, and he certainly does. And that's what we're looking for. Well, usually we have our legacy series at this time of our program. Uh, We're going to take a break this week as we're looking back at 2022. And our good friend, R.C. Merle, is uh, coming to the program today. R.C., welcome. Welcome back. Thank you, Jimmy. It's great to be with you again. Yes, sir. And uh, well, this is our program this week, 2022 in review, and we have a lot of ground to cover. You told me you have prepared the top 10 posts by number of views on your website, prophecytracker.org. And I would encourage folks to go there, prophecytracker.org. You get so much vital information. RC, tell us what they are, and what your readers were focused on last year. Yeah, Jimmy, our, our number one uh, top 10 post for last year is that Biden to replace the U.S. dollar. And we posted that in July, and it just had a tremendous response. So I'm not too surprised to see that up there as number one. Yes, I think that is a, a very interesting uh, post. And a lot of people at prophecy conferences are asking me, after hearing you talk about it, I think it's something that we will focus on in 2023, correct? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of movement here. Remember, the Federal Reserve is doing a pilot program right now that should be completed by mid-February. So we're looking forward to a lot more information as that program comes to an end. Excellent. What's number two? 
Okay, number two, The Five Crowns in Heaven. Now, this one was a surprise. This was a post <laughs> of a Sunday study that was compiled by my wife, who was also my, the editor of this, of this blog. And it's just been getting clicked on all year. So we were surprised to see that as our no, number two post. Now, number three is going to be familiar to you, Jimmy, because it was the Prophecy Today radio broadcast that I think the way it's tabulated was, a, you know, because we post it every week, whether I'm on it or not. And it looks like that's the number three most requested uh, post. Uh, that just shows to me, first of all, the five crowns. I think, you know, I'm encouraged by that because the body of believers and educating them, they want to find out. Uh, and, and as we talk about prophecy, we are all uh, are focused on future events. That's really going to determine what we're doing throughout eternity. Those are the crowns that we give back to Christ. And then people want to know and find value in our Prophecy Today radio program. And our weekend program, I think it's very important. And that's why we keep doing it. What's number four? All right, number four, a nuclear submarine was buzzed by underwater object traveling at the speed of sound. (laughs) Now, that was another surprise to me, but it was just popping up for for weeks after we put that up there, uh, not too long ago, actually. Number five, Migdal Eater. Now, you put that up on your website this week. That's our Christmas Eve post. Every Christmas Eve for the for the last twelve years, mm. Jimmy, and uh, so you know that one well because your dad had a big hand in that. Yeah, and uh, we worked on I worked on that program with Day of Discovery out in the fields. I remember being out there. You know, one thing that's really special about that program when we hired the shepherd to come in and wrap the sheep in a swaddling clothes. And I know oh, if you wow. haven't, if people haven't seen this, it's such a vivid imagery as to what the swaddling clothes was all about. And I, I, I encourage people to go there. Excellent. I love the fact that that's up there at the number five spot. What's number six? Number six, uh, who is Yuval Harari? Now, this is a very controversial Israeli globalist from the World Economic Forum, the right-hand man to Klaus Schwab. Now, Yuval is an interesting fellow. He refers to a large segment of society as useless eaters. That's a that's an interesting uh, article, and I'm sure as you focus on him, uh, you know this is that upper echelon of people that are trying to control, and you, we're seeing this huge dichotomy or a split between upper echelon, the top ten percent of the world, and the rest of us. Correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Number eight. All right, number eight. Bible studies, which is a tab on our homepage, and that really. Uh, gave me a good feeling. We have about 12 studies that we've compiled over the years, and the fact that our readers are going in there and using them as resources uh, is a good thing. We were very pleased to see that. Mm. Um, Number nine of the top 10 posts, Klaus Schwab. This kind of follows a little bit with Yuval Harari. He says God is dead, Klaus Mm. says, Jimmy, in line with Chief uh, Yuval Harari's big proponent of reducing the population. Mm. So, Wow. And finally... Number 10, visualizing the state of central bank digital currencies. That was a post that uh, was compiled and uh, just got an awful lot of reads. So out of our top 10 posts for 2022, CBDCs and financial articles made up 30%, which tells me that we are getting the word out. And they're all, by the way, going to be available on Saturday on yes. the website. Now, today on the website. Very good, and and I would encourage people to go there. We're educating and edifying the body of Christ. That's what we try to do, and of course that 
using that information that helps us to evangelize. Now, RC, as we discussed yesterday, you were on. Uh, you were the first to bring central bank digital currencies to my dad's attention almost three years ago, and only recently have other bloggers and news sites been picking up on the trend and sending us headlines. Yeah, Jimmy, your dad was really interested in how money and finances fit into the end time scenario, found in God's word. And, you know, and because of those conversations, I composed a post titled the Revelation and the 1% Do Not Harm the Oil and Wine, which is on our uh, Bible Studies tab that we just spoke about on the homepage. As, as credible news sites began to pick up on cashless digital trends, we also started to learn more and more about the frightening details. And one of the major characteristics of CBDCs that we learned early on is that they will be programmable, meaning they could be used by governments to reward and punish citizens for their behavior, giving unelected central bankers previously unheard of control over citizens. Then, on, then news on CBDCs kind of dried up uh, in, later in the year. Uh, we, we went for several months without anything, uh, any development. And then uh, because the Federal Reserve was downplaying it, mm-hmm. they, they claimed they had very little role in developing them until September when a fellow by the name of Marcus Koo from a site called The Visual Capitalist mapped the progress of 105 central banks on developing CBDCs representing 95% of global GDP. And that article was followed by a Mises Institute report, one of the most respected financial institutions out there. And they posted this headline, Jimmy. Digital currency, the Fed moves towards monetary totalitarianism. Wow. Now, I want to give you a little quote from that. The war on cash is also a reason why government wants to implement CBDCs. The end of cash would mean less privacy for individuals and would allow central banks to maintain a monetary policy of negative interest rates with greater ease, since individuals would be unable to withdraw money from commercial banks to avoid losses. End of quote. Jimmy, what it's saying is instead of earning interest from the bank, we will pay them to hold our money. (laughs) That's Okay. Finally, Jimmy, the the recent meltdown of the cryptocurrency exchange FTX, now being called the biggest financial scandal in history, uh, has forced the Federal Reserve to launch a 12-week pilot program in the digital dollar. And we should know more about that by mid-February. So, R.C., Knowing all these things, and we've covered this, I'm I'm interested. I'm glad that we were out front. We were out front of the tidal wave, really, of information coming about of the CBDCs. But uh, what are the trends that you are looking for at in 2023? Yeah, yeah. There's no question about what I feel is the next big trend, and, and that is for a UN plan to sponsor global health and vaccine IDs for everyone on Earth in tandem with the World Health Organization, the WHO. Think about it, Jimmy. Control money and health, and you eliminate all dissent. Will that eliminate dissent? I think it will. When, As we have seen nations in Europe, uh, we've seen these countries in Europe, we've seen South America, we've seen Africa, we've seen even in the United States. I, I'm not sure that it will control uh, or eliminate dissent uh, as far as people being upset with governments. But we do know that the man of peace that's referred to as the Antichrist in Scripture will come on the scene and he will use some sort of mind control and control of money, health, whatever, to control and eliminate dissent, correct? 
Yeah, that's absolutely right, Jimmy. It's yes. absolutely right. These, these, these trends are just, you know, this is like, you know, these these prophecies that cast a shadow backwards. And we're just seeing the glimpses of how this is going to play out. And, and since we already know the end game, we know what God's word says. We can we can plant a flag right there and then we work backwards from that. And we can see how this is all developing right in front of our eyes. Well, R.C. Murrow, prophecytracker.org. Go to his website, folks. Again, the whole reason that we study Bible prophecy is because it motivates us to understand the times in which we're living and the urgency of the hour. By knowing these things, we know how close that we are to the tribulation. And before the tribulation period, the rapture of the church must take place. And the Lord has chosen each and every single one of us to be ambassadors to tell others about his plan of redemption for mankind, which is the death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel message of God sending his son to die for all of mankind. And only by believing that can people have access to the Father. That's John fourteen six. RC, thank you so much for being with us today as we look back at the top stories of 2022. And I'm looking forward to discussing with you as we move forward the top stories of 2023. Gee, thank you for having me on, Jimmy. Happy New Year to you and to all of our, our listeners uh, on the broadcast. Thank Happy you. New Year to you also. God bless, Jimmy. RC, I'll give those uh, top 10 one more time. Biden to replace the U.S. dollar, the five crowns in heaven. Number three, Prophecy Today radio broadcast. Thank you very much. Nuclear submarine buzzed by underwater object traveling at speed of sound. Migdal Adar, the Tower of the Flock. Compassion International, will we know each other in heaven? Number seven, who is Yuval Harari? Number eight, Bible Studies tab. People love studying the Bible. Number nine, Klaus Schwab says God is dead. Number 10, visualizing the state of central bank digital currencies. Those are the top 10 according to R.C. Merle's website, prophecytracker.org. Again, we're so thankful for our broadcast partners that each week come on this program and give us information so that we might live a prepared life, a pure life, and a productive life. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in one moment with a look at the book right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. I'm Dodd Morris for Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. A new report says persecution against Christians has increased in 18 countries since 2020. Dodd Nettleton with the Voice of the Martyrs USA says much of this persecution is happening in Africa as Muslim extremism moves south. In other places, religious nationalism is the culprit. That's why various states across India have passed so many anti-conversion laws. Please ask God to strengthen Christians in these 18 countries. Times of trouble come to everyone in various forms. Set Free Ministries' Dean Vandermeer says emotional responses to trouble often obscure God's truth. Fear and shame are powerful captors, keeping people from trusting in the Lord for salvation. No matter what battle you're in, Set Free Ministries can help. And if you're not in a time of trouble right now, please pray for those who are, that the Holy Spirit will connect them to Set Free Ministries. Learn more at missionnews.org, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Dodd Morris. Have you always wanted to visit the land of Israel? Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the shepherd's field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee, 
Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time to not just visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr., and this is the time of the program where we take a look at the book, and I always love that phrase, a look at the book, because, you know, Rick, we can focus on all the world events, but unless we tie them into how they fit in to God's prophetic plan in the future, God's master plan, his game plan, if you will, for what is going to take place, it's it really is a dire world in which we live right now, don't you think? It certainly is, and every time you uh, open a newspaper, you uh, look on a a website or you look at a social mm. media event, you see so many things taking place right now that, that we are so concerned about. But that's why this study of Bible prophecy at this time, at the end of the year, as we look back over things, that's why this is so important because it helps us to refocus and remember that, you know, we do know how this all ends. That we sure do. You know, I wanted to focus this program on New Year's resolutions. And I know coming to the end of the year, we start thinking about New Year's resolutions. The practice, really, of making New Year's resolutions goes back over 3,000 years to the ancient Babylonians. There's just something about the start of a new year that gives us the feeling of a fresh start and a new beginning. In reality, though, there is no difference between December 31st and January 1st. Nothing mystical occurs at midnight on December 31st. Rick, do you remember back in the days when we would all pray in and, and dad would say, you know, if God's going to come back this year, it's got to happen within the next three <laughs> minutes. <laughs> you and I would be like, oh, man, you know, we'd be confessing everything. But really, the <laughs> Bible does not speak for or against the concept of New Year's resolutions. However, if a Christian determines, Rick, to make a New Year's resolution, what kind of resolution should he or she make? I think that's a great question, Jimmy. There's so many, so many different times. It's a time to reset things. What should we be resetting? Yes. Common New Year's resolutions are commitments to quit smoking, to stop drinking, to manage money more wisely, and to spend more time with the family. Those are all good. By far the most common New Year's resolution is what, Rick? Of course, to lose weight. Yeah, uh, and I'm still, I mean, that's my New Year's resolution <laughs> for the last 30 years. But, uh, you know, um, it's in conjunction with exercising more and, and eating healthy, these are all good goals to set. However, 1 Timothy 4, 8 instructs us to keep exercise in perspective. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The vast majority of New Year's resolutions, even among Christians, are in relation to physical things. We really should have different priorities, shouldn't we, Rick? We sure should, Jimmy. And, and, and I know this did not originate with Dad, but Dad used to say it all the time. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And what's the main thing in our life as Christians, Jimmy? 
Yes. It's to keep the main thing the main thing. It's to keep God first in our lives. Mm-hmm. Many Christians make New Year's resolutions to pray more, to read the Bible every day, and to attend church more regularly. These are all fantastic goals, Rick. However, these New Year resolutions fail just as often as the non-spiritual resolutions, unfortunately, because there is no power in a New Year resolution. Resolving to start or stop doing a certain activity has no value unless you have the proper motivation for stopping or starting that activity. For example, why do you want to read the Bible every day? Is it to honor God and grow spiritually, or is it because you have just heard that it is a good thing to do? Why do you want to lose weight? Is it to honor God with your body, or is it for vanity to honor yourself? What do you think, Rick? You know, obviously, sometimes we all struggle with motivations, but I love this topic because it just continually forces us to focus, to continually think, what are we doing? And basically, we should be, in all that we do, honoring God and honoring what He has told us to do, to study His Word, to get back to the basics, to stay in the basics, and to stay in His Word. Yes, I remember when uh, the Pharisees tried to trick up Jesus, and they asked him, what was the most important commandment? And Jesus said, of course, you know this already. It's to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind, Mm. and to love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, and, and I love the way Matthew said it, you know, with everything that's within you. So I think that's important, and it should be every day. It shouldn't be just one day of the year where we decide to do mm. something and, and make a change. We should make a change every morning when we wake up. Philippians 4.13 tells us, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. John 15.5 declares, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If God is the center of your New Year's resolutions, Rick, it has chance for success, depending on your commitment to it. If it is God's will for something to be fulfilled, he will enable you to fulfill it. If a resolution is not God-honoring and or if it's not in agreement with God's word, we will not receive God's help in fulfilling the resolution. And, And Dad used to say, you know what, when we pray, God is not our errand boy. When we were taught to pray by Jesus, he said, thy will be done. Well, we truly need God's will to be done, not our will, correct? Absolutely, and that's something that I'm sure not just us, but everybody struggles with. But again, the whole world is looking at these New Year's resolutions. This is such a good time for us to refocus on the resolution that we have, the the commitment that we have to being Christians and to honoring God. So what sort of New Year's resolution should a Christian make? Here are some suggestions. Pray to the Lord for wisdom, James 1, 5, regarding what resolutions. Pray for wisdom as to how to fulfill the goals God gives you. Rely on God's strength to help you and an accountability partner who will help you and encourage you. Don't become discouraged with occasional failures. Instead, allow them to motivate you further. Don't become proud or vain, but give God the glory. That's our first responsibility as a believer. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Whatever you do, whatever you drink, whatever you eat, give God the glory in all that you do. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine. 
like the dawn, the justice of your cause, like the noonday sun. That's Psalm 37, verses 5 and 6. Rick, Happy New Year to you. We look forward to talking to you next week as we discuss what we think is going to be important stories for 2023. Jimmy, Happy New Year to you and your family as well and also to our listeners. And really, all that we know, the Lord could come back in 2022. And if he does, let's keep looking up until... Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.